eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Back again for another week. Uh, almost full house, joined by Kieran, Andy and Liam. Boys, another good week, weekend of college football action. A bit of a short slate with all the COVID um, cancellations and I think we're probably heading for a little bit of something similar this weekend. But, you know, a lot to talk about nonetheless. How is everyone? Yeah, good. All good here. Yeah, like you say, a few less games. But, uh, yeah, there were some good ones, weren't there? Yeah, there was. There were some good ones. Some nice comebacks. Andy and myself covered it on Monday and our winners and losers. A few, few comebacks of that, a few good games. Helps us talk about the, the little teams like we did a little bit like last week and as well. I particularly enjoyed last week's podcast as well, getting all those mentioned in. Um, so, yeah, more of the same, really. In fact, that kind of gives a nice little segue into the opening game. Liam, why don't you start us off with a team in the Big Ten that you've not yet mentioned this this uh, year since your uh, Big Ten preview? Yeah, well, ex- exactly why I wanted to talk about this game, because since um, uh, the article and the podcast we'd all did together and previewing Big Ten, I don't remember um, mentioning... Uh, this uh, team that won this weekend. So I'm going to give a shout out to the Indiana Hoosiers, uh, who are now 4-0, number nine in the country, um, beating Penn State, Michigan, and then this weekend, Michigan State along the way. All the points in this game came in the first half. Michael Penix throwing it very well. Uh, He had a good game, got picked early, but all in all, uh, yeah, good game leading Indiana to this one. Um, I thought Michigan State would make it uh, a lot tighter Indiana obviously on on a lot of uh, form at the moment uh, like I say there were no points in the second half um, you could say Indiana slowed it down Michigan State timed it up but uh, I think that um, it was just a case of Indiana kind of seeing things out um, offensively Michigan State had six turnovers three fumbles three inceptions between the two quarterbacks that they tried Rocky Lombardi and then Peyton Thorne later in the game but the Hoosiers took care of business, 24-0 win, and they're now top of the Big Ten East in a conference that is now starting to feel a little bit upside down nowadays. Northwestern are going really well, but um, yeah, big shout out to the Indiana Hoosiers, as I say, mm. 4-0 and number nine in the country. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, big, like you say, I think it made me laugh there, actually, when you said that the conference is looking like it's upside down, obviously Penn State and Michigan propping it all up in the East. But um, big game this weekend, obviously, in the East, Yep, Ohio State. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be one of those that I think Ohio State will obviously be favourites for. And it'll be very interesting to see how Indiana does. I think both sides of the ball, they match up quite well with Ohio State. And uh, the way they're looking, it's uh, going to be up to Ohio State to to uh, do their thing, isn't there? And to get the win in that one. What do you reckon? Do you reckon they can do it? Do you reckon there's a chance? I know you just said they match up pretty it's, well, but it's actually walk in the walk, isn't it? Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, the Clemson-Miami game earlier in the season where you kind of, there's a lot of hype. There was a, a lot more hype at that time around Miami. Um, and what you wanted was a closer game than what we got. And Clemson going in there, doing their thing at Clemson, actually probably a bit stronger then than they are now. It, I sense Ohio State will um, still put a few scores on a, Indiana and it'll be up to Indiana to try and uh, do their thing against the tough uh, defence that Ohio State will have. Mm. 
be really, really turn up for the books, wouldn't it? Because if Indiana do pull it off, yeah. then they're looking, you know, pretty strong for, you know, at least the big time championship game. Do you know what I mean? And then really absolutely. putting Ohio State in some bother, really, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's it's must win for Ohio State. Um, there'll be less pressure on Indiana. Mm. They they can't really go wrong after four and Um and yeah, they can only only ways up for them. Yeah, no, no lose, no lose tie really, isn't it? It's mm. a bit like reminds me of maybe a little bit like a, a kind of like an FA Cup tie where you'd have like the big giant versus like a team maybe in the top of the championship and, and you're flying in their league yeah. up against the the giant and then potential giant killing coming up. They know what they know what to expect from Ohio State. It's um, going to be whether they can implement it and and do yeah. the business, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but like you said, I think I think uh, I think for people you know who like the underdog, they'll be definitely attracting a lot of um, fans you know, in their corner just for one weekend only, I feel. And it'll be a really interesting watch when I think everyone's eyes will be glued to that one. I'm sure we'll be talking about next week's pod. Definitely. Hmm. Andy, um, Liam's obviously just mentioned Miami, one of our comeback teams that, that I mentioned in our article. Um, why don't you tell us about that one? Yeah, a good game, this one. Um, hmm. One of the uh, BT Sport ones from the weekend, which is... Uh, Really good because uh, if you're not stuck with ESPN player, like I've been for a couple of games lately, it's like uh, <laughs> gouging your eyes out as it <laughs> with, with the uh, production quality that they, they show us. So, uh, yeah, no, thanks, BT Sport. You, you're doing us a real solid over here. Um, yeah, good game. Uh, slow start from, from the Canes. Um, it was it was very much a like running quarterback game. Uh, I think I, I think I covered Virginia Tech last week as well, which was was the same. Um, Hendon, Hendon Hooker took off a nice fifty three yard run for a touchdown to, to get the the, the scoring uh, underway in the first quarter, and then uh, it was like back and forward after that. Really, um, uh, Derek King scored his own rushing touchdown and then it just became a bit of a slugfest for, for the next couple of uh, quarters until uh, Miami took the lead for the first time late in the fourth with a nice slant uh, slant pass to uh, Mark Pope uh, over the top. So that was, a, yeah, it was, it was a good game. It was like um, you kind of got the impression in recent years Miami would fold and lose that sort of game. So uh, Diaz is doing really well to, to keep them uh, com- competing the whole time. Uh, pains me to say that as a Florida State fan, obviously, but... Um, then Hendon Hooker really kind of had a chance to, to go down and, and win it and, and show uh, that he was the guy at the end and, and he just went one and out with a huge uh, overthrown uh, deep shot interception so yeah uh, not not the, the way he wanted to finish the game but Miami obviously very happy um, like only one loss on the season they keep slowly creeping up the rankings again into the top 10 now so um, they'll be hoping for an outside chance of a playoff place but I can't see that happening with the, all the, the way all the other games will fall so yeah no, nice one like you know really good for the for the neutral if you were watching it kind of uh, sold, sold a bit of college football on the, on the evening kickoff here the early kickoff in the evening mm. where you're eating your dinner it's always a, a good to have a good game there because the, the blowouts kind of just turn people off a bit don't they so yeah nice matchup yeah, you're right. I think I probably speak for a lot of us when it's not fun on BT Sport when they just have Alabama winning every week, you know, by double digits. You know, it's good, that, especially in the early game where people are going to be watching, you know, if there's not a good Premier League game on at the same time, let's say, and, you know, people are trying to get into college football. It's good to have these these games on where it's like a bit of a back and forth. And this one was quite a really good game as well. Let me let me ask you a question. Obviously, as an ACC fan, um, is the ACC a bit more alive this year than it has been in previous years? Because it's not something, not a conference I've taken great notice in until 
this year when obviously I've got my nail corners to the mask. You know, it does seem like there's a bit more going on in that conference this year. It's not just Clemson plus, I know obviously got no today in this year, but it's not just Clemson plus a load of also runs. Do you feel the same or am I being a bit unfair? Yeah, do, do you know what it is as well? It's the fact that we're not like getting teams just like uh, beat on by SEC teams. And that's not to say that uh, that would necessarily happen with the, with the guys this year. But you, you normally get like that LSU or come in and, or like Alabama or come in and just absolutely wipe the floor with one of the like better teams in the ACC. And everyone kind of disrespects it, uh, disrespects them. So we haven't really got that. And everyone's just getting a chance to show <laughs> Stop it, Kira. <laughs> yeah, with his uh, newly dyed hair and his Joe Burrow t-shirt, he's loving it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Um, it's it's a good conference, and it's got. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's probably uh, the third best out of the five in terms of like quality draft uh, draft products that come out of it. Um, arguably second, but yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those ones that like. It's always got a, it's always got like a title contender, hasn't it? But then the bottom half of it's almost going to be Division Two stuff. So this year it's uh, <laughs> this year it's nicer to see a, a bit of a mix. Yeah, and I think like teams like Miami are doing really well. It's a shame Florida State can't make the most of it. But then you've got um, well, we went by Division Two. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've come back to that. But yeah, it's literally Division Two players out there. But but UNC and stuff have looked really good, and 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 I reckon they could give any SEC team a run for their money. So yeah much better this year but I reckon we might return to normal next year mm. yeah I think the ACC gets a little bit disrespected because like Andy said you have SEC teams come in and blow people out but also because of how dominant Clemson are you don't realistically get the teams to be as competitive as they has been recently and obviously a Notre Dame win against Clemson was massive for the ACC because it shows that hold on, maybe there is a bit of parity in this division and it's not, you know, all just a bunch of butterfly teams up against Clemson. There are some legit teams and there is some legit talent in that, in that conference. And I think, <laughs> sorry to say it, but like the way they're doing in conference games this year has actually been really, really good for the ACC. And I think a lot more college football fans are going to put a lot more respect on the ACC's name. Yeah, I can go along with that. I think it's been I think it's been really good for the conference. I mean, it's like I say, it's not and you are probably right, Andy. It probably is like the second or third in terms of the draftable talent in there. So it's not like you know, there's there's kind of a load of nobodies played in that conference. But it, it's always felt like me in recent years just be Clemson and like a load of other teams. It's not really taken and and moved the needle too much. It'd be good if I know it's probably not gonna happen, but it'd be good if Notre Dame kind of just stayed and just kind of made another kind of Titan in there and kind of give Clemson a run for the money, brought a bit more parity to the top. Um, rather than just, you know, the, the other teams kind of just know they're just going to get beat down. Um, whereas if it, it kind of gives them more of a gradual step, if there's kind of another team between them and the rest, I think. Um, yeah, it's one of those ones where like a team seems to emerge for a couple of years at the top and then just goes back to being poor. I think that's the kind of, that's all to do with the, the recruiting, isn't it really? Mm-hmm. And just the, the, the draw and, and you've got your traditional schools like, like I keep going back to Florida State, I know, but they get decent players, um, but then they once they have a couple of down years, then it, then it's harder to get the, the, the like you know the five star pro- prospects coming through, and then they have a ten year plateau until they get lucky with a like a good quarterback, and that kind of lifts them back up again. So it's that kind of swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Whereas Clemson's just got the kind of constant quality recruiting, mm. and that's what's keeping them at the top. And you just can't argue with that. So you, know, you can see why uh, Dabo doesn't leave. Uh, won't well won't leave for the NFL or anything. They've just got it made, hasn't he? Makes a yeah. lot of money, 
wins every game, a bar a couple every every year. And yeah, he's just loved there. So yeah, fair play to him. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the easier jobs in college football from that sort of point of view in terms of like job satisfaction and kind of never being on the hot seat and <laughs> never That's really it, yeah. losing or anything <laughs> like that. I think there's a few of them knocking around as well um, in college football. But but yeah, no, it's good. And I'm going to stay in the ACC as well. I'm going to talk about Wake and uh, UNC. Um, obviously, this one was a really, really high-scoring game, well over 100 points in this. Um, Wake Forest going down 53 to 59. Not the sort of game that I usually enjoy, but this one really was enjoyable because it was going the wrong way in terms of what everyone expected. Obviously, Wake running away with it uh, to begin with and, and UNC just kind of hanging on to their coattails. But as we all know, UNC are the fourth quarter kings. And this actually started a little bit earlier because they, from the middle of the third quarter, they put up 35 unanswered until Wake scored again pretty late on. Um, just the usual um, characters involved for UNC. Uh, somehow 550 yards, six touchdowns and ran one in as well. Did throw a pretty bad pick uh, at one point. Um but, you know, we can align that when he's scoring seven touchdowns on his own. Uh, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, uh, more of them from me later on. Um, just dominant on the ground. Again, I think this is one of the best running back duos we've seen in college football for a very, very, very long time. Um, it's kind of a shame that they can't be drafted together and just carry on uh, because they're their partnership and it just works in this offense really, really nicely. Um, then receiver-wise, Daz Newsome really coming to the fore. It seems to be with UNC as well that one just pops up and then another guy will do it the next week. It's never over-reliant on De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsome or Corrales. Corrales didn't actually get a, a touchdown, uh, sorry, a catch at all um, this week. But De'Ami Brown got eight and a couple of scores, 163 yards, and Daz Newsome got 10 grabs, 189 and a couple of, grab, uh, couple of scores as well, including one 75-yarder where he just showed his jackability. Um, Wake played their part, though. You know, they, they hung around, and it was only, like I say, until the middle of the third that they kind of couldn't resist anymore. But by that time, they put up 45 for their own points, and they did make it pretty interesting in the end of a later score and couldn't recover the onside kick, which kind of nailed it into the coffin. But a really good advertisement again. Uh, obviously, this one was a bit later, but a really good advertisement. And, you know, casual fans love points. It's another good selling point. And another, you know, another comeback um, in the ACC and another, another really, really strong game. So it kind of backs up pretty much all what we've just said, really, about the ACC. And, um, yeah, long may it continue, this little renaissance that, you know, potentially will in last one year. But, you know, you never know. Kieran, are you going to talk about uh, Cincinnati? Cincinnati are the best team in the country right now. I'm not even afraid to say <laughs> that. They look fantastic. Desmond Ritter is absolutely ridiculous. I do want to give a shout out to Cameron Young, who's one of the young running backs who uh, took off one carry 75 yards so he leaves the game with a touchdown and 75 yards average uh, run per uh, yards per carry which is very efficient Um, (laughs) obviously Holton Ehlers the quarterback for North uh, sorry East Carolina got aptly just nine for 20 free picks no touchdowns it was it was bad through for under 100 yards but East Carolina were just totally outmatched. Cincinnati mm. went crazy. Desmond Ritter again, 327 yards, three touchdowns. He's legit. And I know he's only playing against teams in his own conference, but even for that, he he's playing amazingly. Can't wait till they go on to the game against UCF. That's going to be the real decider to, to tell if Cincinnati are legit. And I think if they beat UCF, maybe they could sneak into top four. Maybe if a couple of teams lose, because we know how the Big Ten is going to be this year. One loss, you're pretty much eliminated from the playoffs. I really hope Cincinnati do make the playoffs because I think they'll make it interesting, especially against the teams that might be in there. They might 
you know, they might be able to eke out a win. They've got the coaching, they've got some decent talent on the ball, but yeah, it's, oh, it's going to be interesting. Desmond Ritter, though, is honestly, if, if he continues this for, for maybe another year, like the way he's playing, and then plays against out-of-conference opponents next year, COVID permitting, kids looking at not only maybe being top five in Heisman voting, but also looking at being uh, a draft prospect because he is fantastic. I agree. He needs to bulk up. He does look a bit like Jaden Daniels in that respect, but he can throw the ball really well. He's making some very good throws. Yeah, he does have some problems of accuracy at times, but last game he only missed seven passes, which when you're throwing 31 isn't too large of a margin. And most of them were, you know, they weren't. He wasn't really in any danger of being picked or anything. He makes very good reads. He controls his eyes well, and his mechanics are pretty spot on for for where he should be right now. Um, yeah, Cincinnati remain at top seven. They'll probably win another game, and some Big Ten or SEC team with a loss will probably kick them out the top ten at some point because we know that AP pools are absolute trash. But uh, yeah, Cincinnati are looking like my favorite team in college football this year <laughs> and until Bo Pelini is fired they will be my favorite team in college football this year we're going to pretend this shirt I've got on is actually Desmond Ritter smoking a cigar at a national championship <laughs> because they wear the same number number nine and uh yeah the, I, I like Cincinnati this year it, I tried to actually get some Bearcats uh stuff from around the house but i couldn't find anything other than underwear so we, i'm not going to wear that on the podcast for you guys um yeah <laughs> cincinnati are the team to watch if i haven't said it enough this podcast i'm gonna say it again keep an eye on these guys and without you know i'm gonna put a guarantee on this their game against ucf is going to be one of the best college football games we are going to see all year because it's going to be a fight for respect amongst the top 10 teams when those two finally face off. It's going to be a big game. Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, we've talked about the American. We talk about the, we probably mention the American every week, don't we? It's a, a good, really good conference. And uh, yeah, a lot of good teams coming from there. Pleased to see that the Cincinnati love is spreading on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you kind of kicked us off for this one. Made, made, yeah. Um, I think they also still have to play Tulsa, which was a game that was uh, postponed earlier in the season. And... I can't remember if that meant that they're not going to play it or if it, if it's going to be played at another date. But if so, they've got some tough conference games, some teams that are capable of, of taking them down, but they're playing really well. I want to, um, one thing about the game that was interesting, there was a discussion between the head coaches after the game that I think was based around Cincinnati running up the score. And I think it's something that we're seeing from the likes of Cincinnati, BYU, trying to run up the score to get uh, the attention uh, from the uh, playoff committee. It's based on things like obviously strength of schedule, but if you're putting up 40 or 50 points, that's going to get noticed. And I did feel for East Carolina because it's true since he were running up the score, but there's, I think that's the reason why they're doing it and why BYU were doing it in their games. Yeah. We saw, like it's almost like junior college with the way people running up the score to get their rankings up at this point. And uh, Liam actually did touch. They have removed, they've moved their Tulsa game to the 4th of December. So that's now the last game on their schedule. And the only two teams that stand in their way before their final game of the season next week is UCF. So that's going to be a fun game. Uh, And then Temple, which you know, I'm not. I'm not going to jinx the team, but I, I like them to to go 
undefeated this season. If they can go to the top four, this city is going to lose its damn mind because this city sucks at every single sport they they're in. They're only <laughs> well, they do. It's sorry, like You're my girlfriend really in fun. the other room rolling her eyes right now. But they just suck at sports. Their only Hall of Famer got banned from the Hall of Fame because <laughs> his balls were too ginormous, and he bet on himself in games. Apparently, that's you shouldn't do that. But yeah, this would be massive. And like I said, if they can go undefeated this season and then maybe have another great season next season, something similar. Big Ten, come on, let's do it. Let's get Cincinnati some good recruits. A couple of years off yet until those TV deals get renewed and we have a big reshuffle. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good. Obviously, you know, it's something that we've concentrated on quite a lot. Didn't you want to mention something about a fake punt or something? Or am I getting Cincinnati are so goddamn disrespectful. Fourth and six, you're up by 35 or 37 point lead they had. And they said, Do you know what? Fake punt, hand off to the fullback, let him hit. Man, I was so excited, but also I felt super, super bad for East Carolina because that is one of the most disrespectful plays I've seen in my entire life watching a college football game. You're up 37 points and you run a fake punt. God, Cincinnati, man. I was so pumped. That was amazing. Some Madden shit, isn't it? It, it, Yeah, it's just going back to... um... I think they felt like they have to keep running up scores, like I say, just to get the the playoff committee's attention. It's it'd be it's great for them to go a whole season unbeaten anyway. But if they're doing it winning 17-10, 21-20, that doesn't get attention. What gets attention is continuously running up the the uh, the score and beating teams mm. uh, by like forty plus. And uh, like I say, there was a little bit of a discussion between the coaches at the end, which and I did feel for uh, the Pirates, but. Um, yeah, I think that's what Cincinnati are up to. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Up to seven now in the polls. So, um, yeah, a couple of a couple of SEC schools ahead of them in at five and six, but they stayed in touching distance. Let's say that, especially if Ohio State get beat by Indiana on uh, this coming weekend. Um, Andy, do you want to talk about Florida State? I'll give us a very quick. Uh, this is the last time I'm going to talk about the Florida State this year. I've decided I have. <laughs> fortnightly and uh, I, I mainly do it because A, I obviously am a fan but B, they're probably one of the bigger teams in the UK aren't they to be fair mm. oh, definitely true yeah a lot of people got into them uh, during the, the, the heyday of uh, the, the New Orleans Saints starting quarterback uh, <laughs> <laughs> do not <laughs> he's started a couple of weeks now so it's all good um, yeah but uh, um, midweek Florida State had a bit of a big clear out actually well like back into last week a uh, bit of a big clear out um, Tamori and Terry uh, Marvin Wilson and co all kind of announcing they're done for the season um, Wilson with an injury to I think that's probably to save his draft capital uh, to a certain extent and uh, and Terry just completely left the programme uh, and along with a whole host of other people who are now transferring and co so just a, just a bit of a, a new dawn really and and, and I think uh, it's a smart move by uh, Norvell just to just so he doesn't get associated with some of the like, garbage stuff that we've seen so far this year. It didn't get much better on Saturday, to be fair. NC State um, completely dominated um, throughout. I thought Bailey Hockman uh, looked fairly good, and but that wasn't saying much. I mean, that was yeah, his best game of the year, 265 yards and, and three touchdowns. But I mean, just talking about uh, Florida State a bit more, um, 
Trevor Purdy starting for, for, for the Knowles. Thought he played quite well, uh, moved the ball uh, quite nicely throughout the game and including mainly at the like, latter stages when he hit an absolute bomb for a touchdown and then a, a nice back shoulder pass in the uh, in the end zone where uh, Tom Warren Thompson went up for the for the Moss. Um but the, it's quite interesting because obviously Jordan Travis uh, is the is the starter on the depth chart. He didn't travel uh, at the weekend, I think, through injury. So it'd be good to see that those two battle it out. Travis has obviously still got a couple more years of eligibility and has got a completely different quarterback to, to Purdy. So it'd be interesting to see how they go from there uh, going forward as well. Purdy looked a lot better as a pocket passer uh, than Travis does, but obviously Travis's wheels and getting out of the pocket has is, is, is been like a, bit, a rare highlight for us this season. Um, and the only other player that I really wanted to mention was uh, Ontari Wilson, who stepped up as the wide receiver one. He looked really good, uh, both out the slot and out wide. Um, possible another uh, draftable product there when, when all said and done. Um, and then on, on the defensive side of the ball, Asante Samuel, good to see him stick around. I think I think he's another uh, FSU player who, before the season was going at the end of uh, at the end of the first in, in mock draft, start of the second. I think he's probably taking a bit of a hit this season from some of his play. So good to see him uh, stick it out. And, 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 you know, he definitely didn't have to do that. And we saw Hamza Nazaruddin as well for the first time this year. A um, couple of snaps, a couple of nice tackles. Uh, he's another one who's just trying to solidify some draft stock before uh, the full wholesale changes that are probably going to come uh, with next year's lineup. I don't think you'll see many people who um, who are like juniors or seniors in the FSU lineup next year. It's going to be a young team for sure. Mm. Wilson, the wide receiver, what um, class is he? Uh, I think he's 2022, so... Uh, yeah, he's, so um, he's got another year next year and more growth to be done. That's interesting. Yeah, that'll be, be one to watch for sure. Yeah, like you say, I think I think you're right. It'll be a young young team, especially with all the outgoings that have happened with all the sort of more well known, well established players. Yeah, it's interesting, man. And like you don't really see it at college too often, do you? Like somehow a bit of a clear out. It's a bit like I mean, Dolphins fan as well. Just like the start of the Dolphin season last year, just cleared out a lot of the the bigger names to to make way for a project. And and it's it's like interesting. You don't really see that approach. Uh, at all really um but yeah wilson's like great he's uh like got the got the same kind of body type as terry and uh, it's a bit quicker than him as well so be interesting to see how he develops mm. yeah no for sure um a second game that i'm going to mention just really really quickly just in our second round is um oregon i'm going to an o in the pac 12 beating washington state by 43 to 19 this is a bit of a kind of not on the same scale and not for the same reasons as what we've just been talking about about hsu but you know, a big clear out of sort of draftable talent and just sort of a bit of a turnover, especially with um, opt-outs and things like that. So this is a new Oregon team, but looking pretty good. Um, you know, two pretty convincing wins um, over the past couple of weeks. Tyler Shook, who we kind of thought would be a, you know, more than a step behind Justin Herbert and what he produced, but he's had a pretty decent start to the season. He had four touchdowns, just got one pick, uh, went for just over 300 yards as well. So he's looked like he's settled in really nicely, especially considering... He's a young quarterback, and especially with you know the off- shortened off-season program. Uh, the other player I want to shout out on offense was CJ Vidal, who went for 118, and he also got 36 through the air as well, so got a touchdown. But I wanted to kind of go and talk about the defense more so than the offense for Oregon. Um, I said in the Pac-12 preview podcast and also the article, this is going to be a defensive-based team, and that unit's going to lead this team. And I feel, feel like I mentioned the secondary and how many uh, how much turnover they've had in that unit. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Nick Pickett. Nick Pickett's kind of really come to the fore as a, you know, one of the leaders of this defense, really. He's a bit of a rotational safety in the past, but, you know, really, really playing some nice football. 
um, you know, laying a lot of good tackles and kind of being that energy guy for the Ducks on the back end. And apart from him, I just wanted to give out a bit of a shout out to Noah Saul, obviously the younger brother of Penai, um, playing linebacker, five-star recruit in his freshman season, got four tackles on the weekend, also got his first sack as well. So uh, one to watch out for, that bloodline runs very, very strong up there in the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to the, the Ducks there just from our second game. And uh, Liam, I think you wanted to finish off with Florida. Um, obviously, their big win on the weekend against Arkansas. Yeah, this was this was the Felipe Frank's revenge game, wasn't yeah. it? I'm sure um, Frank's would like nothing more than going back to the swamp there and going back to the home of the Florida Gators and um, basically what would have been put a win on them that probably would have ruined Florida Gators' season. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Frank's actually played quite well. It's just that Florida's offense. Um, played even better and Kyle Trask specifically had a really good game um no Kyle Pitts uh, at tight end so uh, it was a bit more of a challenge um for Trask or it's supposed to be pre-game but uh, he was still throwing really well Trevon Grimes had a really uh, good game 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns um the Florida Gators offense just started to um eclipse Arkansas and the game got better and better um Trask uh, ended up throwing six touchdowns in the game, five in the first half. Um, and Florida ran up the scoreboard uh, to a score of 63 in the end, winning 63-35. Um, Trask's um, stats for the whole season now, he's thrown 28 touchdowns in the first six games, which is a new, a new SEC record, breaking, breaking to a tongue of Iloa's old mark. Um, like I say, um, Franks uh, was throwing well for Arkansas as well, but um, yeah, the eclipse by Florida Gators um, continued to put up the points and uh, Trask continues to um, to perform well. And um, I think, well, we probably have to whisper it. Well, I won't whisper it because that'd be creepy for everyone, but um, he's getting more and more uh, Heisman uh, rumours and Heisman links. Mm. Yeah, more of that in a moment, because obviously we're going to come on to our few Heisman shouts, early shouts for from the four of us. Kyle Trask is, the way he's, uh, you know, evolved from last season and turned into the monster he is this season, it really reminds me of Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow's first season at LSU, not to bring him up all the time, but Joe Burrow's first <laughs> season at LSU wasn't exactly stellar. Now, Kyle Trask, his first you know, at Florida, he's not been what he has been this season. And he's gone out and he's been absolutely fantastic every single game he's played this season. And I want the Patriots to draft him. I'm just going to put that out there. I think he would be a very good quarterback for our system. And I know the rest of the league would hate it because we just continue on our trail of dominance. But he, he is just, for a guy who's not really super athletic, he's done really really well in the sec i also the only real criticism i have of kyle trask is that if he doesn't like to throw on the run as much like we see some quarterbacks can improvise a little bit more if kyle trask doesn't see someone open he's not you know he's not going to create some space uh run around a little bit and scramble he's just gonna he's just gonna tuck the ball and run which not not going to work in the NFL, but something that could be worked on. Um, but yeah, I think overall he is a fantastic quarterback. And like Liam said, yeah, Heisman is uh, definitely 
you know, definitely could be in his future if some other quarterbacks uh, don't start catching up to what he's doing this year. Mm. We'll see about that. We'll come on to that in a moment because obviously we're going we're gonna to talk about Heisman candidates, as I say. Just want to um, kind of come in with some news and maybe have a brief, brief discussion about something that obviously dropped on, um, I think it was Sunday evening, wasn't it? Um, South Carolina canning Will Muschamp um, after a pretty poor start to the season five years into his reign. Um, yeah, what do we think of that? Andy, I'll bring you in because obviously you're, you kind of mentioned this to us and kind of broke it to us. What, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, just because it's this year and what sort of everything that's going on, it feels a bit like early in the season to do that. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't let your coach see out the rest of the season sort of thing, um, especially because it's not like you're not going to get anyone fantastic in in now, are you? But yeah, I mean, it, it was it's been coming, hasn't it? They've they've looked pretty poor. Um, they're they're not like devoid of talent. They've got like a few mm. draftable players on both sides of the ball. Uh, you saw like Brian Edwards and stuff last year. Shai Smith stepped up into that role uh, this year, um, and then they, they've got like I forgot the name of the cornerback. Remind me what the name of the cornerback is. JC Horn. Yeah, JC Horn on the other side of the ball and. That they should be playing a lot better than they than they than they have been. They started out all right this year. I thought I watched the first couple of games actually because uh, quite interested in Smith in particular. Um, but then since then it's just completely dropped off, and they're really struggling to move the ball on offense. I think they've started the wrong quarterback. If I'm honest, I think they should have rolled with Belinsky. Um, uh, mm. but, but you know they didn't do that, and, and I, I think that kind of decision might have just cost him his job. To be honest. Yeah, it's a it's a. Quite a big recruit, wasn't it? Especially in that area where they, you know, have a lot of competition. We've mentioned of a few schools around there, obviously in the SEC, and they, you know, they got him and they've not played him. And yeah, like you say, it could be a, a big factor. Um, obviously coming in and replacing Jake Bentley, it's a mammoth task, as we all know. <laughs> no, I'm joking, obviously not. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely, it could could be a good point actually. That's um, kind of uh, cost him his job, as you say. I I'm surprised they even hired him in the first place because I didn't think um, he was like maybe the best fit for South Carolina. I mean, he'd done good at other schools and we'd seen him at like Auburn and stuff, but it was honestly a surprise hiring for me. I didn't think he was maybe quite ready to be handed the keys to an entire football program like that. I think he maybe needed to prove himself as a coordinator a little bit more, but he, he did better than expected. I'll be honest. Uh, like as, as bad as he's been, I expected worse. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they should have fired him at this point in the season. He definitely should have kept Talinsky as a starter. Yeah, they maybe let him see out the season because with everything that's going on right now, we're seeing a lot of teams who we're used to seeing dominate kind of struggle uh, a little bit, maybe not do as well as they could, even if they're eking out wins. So I, I think the firing is definitely premature and they should have maybe given him like a proper year to like one final year. Like, hey, you've got full recruited now, see what you can do in this final year rather than just canning him halfway through what is effectively a, a season that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. It's um, premature and uh, maybe the, um, it feels like that they were expecting a lot out of him because uh, uh, I need to be corrected if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the contract given to him was one of the biggest in the SEC. Um, I think also that, uh, yeah, they haven't started too badly. I think there's teams that have, uh, they've had some good games or okay games, but they've maybe they had like a few games in mind that kind of were must win, and they've kind of they've just taken him out because uh, it's just not going, not got the wins early that they maybe expected to be. That's the only thing I can think of because I agree it's uh, it seems a bit premature 
Mm. When you're getting knocked off like nobody's like LSU, you know, by 30 odd points, maybe. Got to go, yeah. aren't you? Definitely. <laughs> Didn't even get a response. Excellent. Let's move on very swiftly because he's looking before he rabbits on. Um, we're going to talk about Heisman candidates now. Um, we're going to talk about some, well, obviously it's pretty much going to go to a quarterback, but we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit in the second half of this. And we're going to kind of give some very unrealistic shouts for a non-quarterback to win it, but just to throw some extra names out there because I think we've mentioned a couple of people that we're going to mention about already about you know, in this section. So just adding some variety in there for maybe just giving some shouts some players that are playing very, very good football at the moment. Liam, we've obviously mentioned Kyle Trask. Why don't you start us off with, uh, with your shout with, with Kyle Trask and make your case. Yeah, we'll follow on from uh, talking about his latest big win and his his growth this season. And like um, uh, Kieran alluded to, there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, kind of pre-season about uh, who had the best chance of a, a Joe Burrow-style um, ascension in their game. And um, Trask seems to be that guy at the moment. I've seen a couple of times uh, in weeks this season the uh, kind of uh, stat comparisons between Burrow's season last season and what Trask is doing this season um, and yeah and he keeps doing it in the latest uh, game as I say the six touchdowns against Arkansas um, he he's playing he's playing well he's playing in a pro style offense there's some inconsistencies there's a few things definitely to improve on and I still can't see him as a a first rounder, for example, when it comes to uh, draft stock. Um, but if he carries on doing what he's doing and he's playing, he's playing the right position, obviously as well, but he's, he's doing it against good teams in, in the uh, SEC. Um, 28 touchdowns this season. Um, nobody's thrown more. I think um, Dylan Gabriel and Sam Howe are tied for second with 23. So he's a long way ahead there. He's only thrown three picks all season as well. Is among the top in quarterback rating. He's doing everything, everything right. And um, Florida, are, I think a lot of people's kind of dark horses to do very well this season. And I think he's the reason why. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely some really good football football that I didn't think was was in him to be honest with you. He's definitely got a really good supporting cast, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, we talked about Kyle Pitts. Yeah, we talked about a few other playmakers on that side of the ball as well. But you know, like you say, you're playing mistake free football and throwing a bunch of touchdowns, and you're going to be right up there, aren't you? Twenty eight touchdowns to three interception ratio is very nice, and that um, game uh, that we uh, mentioned before without Kyle Pitts was big as well. Because he's obviously a real safety blanket for him as a mm. as an option when the passing game, um, and yeah he, yeah, he continues to do it. And uh, obviously, there'll be there are going to be bigger games down the road for the Gators this season. But uh, he's certainly he's certainly doing it right now. Kevin, did you want to come in on uh, on Trask as well? Uh, like Liam said, he's having that Joe Burrow style like ascension he, he's really stepped his game up way more than any other quarterback we've seen recently he's he, he's big that's the best thing he's he's huge uh so he's going to get a lot of attention we know the Heisman guys apart from maybe Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield they tend to look for the big prototypical pro quarterback who can who can really let it fly and he can do that his arm is great he's very he's actually very accurate this year I was surprised because he wasn't you know, all that accuracy wise last year, but he, he's just looked fantastic. And in terms of quarterbacks, he's, he's got to be in discussion for the Heisman. Cause I, I can't think of, you know, three quarterbacks really that I'd put above him, maybe one or two, but 
he's got to be in the mix for it because he's just played lights out. And like Liam said, he's broken a record for SEC touchdowns that Tua set. And as we know, Tua is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play at the, the college level. So I know he's left-handed, but it is what it is. Um, we'll, you know, we're, we're going to see, I think, Kyle Trask be taken seriously, not only in the Heisman. I think a Heisman win honestly elevates him to maybe one of the first quarterbacks picked up this year, besides Trevor Lawrence. I think that's a foregone conclusion at this point. But maybe if he wins that Heisman, he gets the look over Justin Fields. And I, I think that's a very real possibility of happening. Mm. I, everyone else is not a long guy. I am, I am not. I... If even if he wins it, I don't think I don't think it comes down to that. I don't think it elevates him too much. But you know, it, it's, it remains to be seen. And just looking at Florida's schedule, so they've got Vandy, they've got Kentucky, they've got Tennessee, and they've got LSU. That's four more wins, isn't it? It's a lot more yards, it's a lot more touchdowns. And I'm not saying I'm not aiming that at you or anything like that with that last game, but that is that is four wins, isn't it? It is. And that's I mean, a lot our, more yards. our punter is our starting quarterback right now. That's how <laughs> I'm not joking. That's that's the that's the quarterback situation at LSU right now. Thirty year old Zach von Rosenberg is currently taking snaps at quarterback in practice. So, yeah, that 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 might be a win. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it wasn't being disrespectful, but it is. You know, Florida playing great football, as we've all said. So. Yeah, they are yeah. the best team in the SEC this year, besides maybe Alabama. Hmm. I yeah. Uh, you're right that those four games are all real winnable it feels because of um because of the start or well, where he started the season as a, a prospect and you feel that just one defeat there and, that, and like the, the stock will just drop again especially in terms of the Heisman I feel like he's going to have to just win all of those games just to to keep his name in there mm. um I you know he's still an outsider for me and uh well he is in most people's eyes but um you know Snap people are going to be loving him at the moment because of everything that he's producing. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, speaking of another quarterback that's producing a bunch of stats, Andy, you're going to talk about Justin Fields, aren't you? Yes, mate. So obviously only three games uh, played for Fields so far, but I mean, we talked about him last week and just how efficient he's looking, how all round it, like fantastic his game is looking. He's throwing for 908 yards, so averaging 300 yards a game, 87% completion percentage, uh, 11. That's t- yes, it's incredible, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, 11 touchdowns and, and zero interceptions. So he's looking really polished. Um, uh, as much as I agree with Kieran in, in the fact that Trask's uh, stock is going upwards, I think Fields is going upwards if it's possible as well from, from what we've seen so far. I don't know if anyone actually thinks that he could like leap above Lawrence at all in the in the draft stakes, but I saw a, a, an interesting poll the other day. It was just put out by like a college account that I follow. Which quarterback would you take? And there was four or five options at the moment, and the majority of people were going with Fields over Lawrence. And I think that's probably a bit of recency bias, obviously, but um, interesting to see that it's becoming a bit more of a competition up there than, than perhaps it should have been but that's just testament to the way Fields has played for the first three games it's, everything's looking very good he's calm in the pocket he's, uh, he's deciphering the defence really well and, and when he gets outside he, he's just on the money um, you know it's hard to find a fault to be honest mm. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a shame the sample size is so small so far, isn't it? It's, it would be better if the, we were up there with five, six, seven games like we've got from everyone else. But yeah, like we've got three three more games, four more games to come this year in the Big Ten for, for our house. They, you know, permitting any more cancellations. But yeah, and again, very winnable schedule. Obviously, we've got the Indiana game. It's quite uh, a tough one, as, we, as we've just been discussing. But then Illinois, Michigan State, and then Michigan, which, you know, three 
if not four wins, is is very very doable for Ohio State. And you know, again, more yards, um, more touchdowns, more efficiency. So yeah, just carries on doing what he's doing, I guess. Go on, Liam. Yeah, in terms of um, draft stock, there are going to be more and more people that are starting to prefer Fields to Lawrence, and them, and all it needs is a few offensive coaches too, and he his stock's going to be sky high. And I really like, I really like that that there uh, there is going to be more people that are going to be um, preferring Fields right now. Um, I think he's he's still got only one loss to his name as well since he went to Ohio State as well. So um, same sort of level as as Lawrence. Uh, all over the place, isn't he, in terms of stats as well? The, my only problem with Fields is, and this is probably like more of a superstition thing, but OSU quarterbacks just never do well in the league, realistically. They're, they're just not... I don't know what it is. They just they just struggle when they get to the next level. We, we've seen it with um, Haskins, JT Barrett, and, uh, and guys that have come out in more recent years, especially, they just haven't been able to put it together in the league. And uh, as much as it sucks, I, you know, I do get superstitious about things because there's a lot of things that trends that keep repeating themselves in the NFL. I think if Justin Fields wants to go first overall, I look, if I was Trevor Lawrence right now, I would, because, you know, everyone gets an extra year of eligibility. If I was Trevor Lawrence, I'd stay in school another year because then you don't have to go to the absolute dumpster fire that is the New York Jets. Let Justin Fields take that one, bro, because everyone knows he's he's going to be average at best. So just let him go be average at the New York Jets. Um, yeah, I'm the... the Justin Fields is, I, I think he's really, really good. He is such a great athlete and he's extremely talented. I just can't get over the the uh, fact that uh, OSU quarterbacks kind of struggle in the league. And he might be different because if you compare him to the other guys, he is actually probably the best quarterback they've they've had in, in there. But Heisman, I think he's probably the favourite over even Trevor Lawrence right now just because of the abilities he has that Trevor Lawrence doesn't have. He's a way better athlete and he's actually a, a better thrower of the football if you watch the defences he's throwing against. Uh, just, and I'll we'll bring you in, Liam, in a second, but I just want to talk about Trevor Lawrence staying at school for just for a second. I know it's not really what we're talking about, but if he avoids the Jets, then what, what's to stop like the team being that bad again next year? And then he has to go there. He doesn't get a choice. He might as well go... You complete player anyway. You know you're not going to make any sort of improvements. You're going to get millions. They're not going to move away from a quarterback after one year. Like I don't think Justin Fields is Josh Rosen in that respect. No, 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 I don't mean I don't mean the Jets going number one again. I mean just another bad team being number one. As long as it's not the Lions or the Jets, I honestly think he'll be okay. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not not trying to throw shade on teams right now, but if we're talking about who's historically bad, the Jets and the Lions are the only teams you really don't want to go to. Well, Jags as well. But, yeah, you don't yeah. want to go to the Jags either. Yeah. We actually, I think that was about, yeah. the only, about the only thing we all agreed on in the top kind of five picks of our mock <laughs> last week. And and I said at the time, I feel bad for it because uh, uh, the Jags, uh, their drafting has been kind of up and down, but nevertheless, still constantly high draft picks from bad seasons. Mm. It's a tough old place to go and try and run an offense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about this week, but I just want, I want to bring that up because it's uh, it's going to be an interesting debate, isn't it? Because I know that a lot of people are sort of throwing that thing around, around the internet, around Twitter, Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. So it's going to get brought up. It's probably something that we'll bring up ourselves um, you know, in, in the future as well. 
Um, so you guys uh, have talked about uh, Kyle Trask. He's got a load of weapons. He plays in the SEC. He's got loads of recruits to throw to. And then we've been talking about Ohio State and their guys and their amazing team that they've all got to support their great quarterback. Well, you don't get great players playing at BYU. So you got Zach Wilson playing amazing football at BYU, beating everyone. You know, we've just been talking about fields obscene, and it is obscene um, completion percentage. But Zach Wilson, 75%, can't sniff at that. He's actually played like a lot of games as well, so the sample size is much bigger. He's thrown only two picks, 22 touchdowns. So just a shade behind these guys that Liam's talking about um, being second to Kyle Trask. So not right at the top echelon, but I'm just giving a shout out to Zach Wilson because you know we've been talking up all year on the podcast. And you know he is probably a shade behind these guys because these guys are big names and they're doing it at big schools and that's what the people who vote for these things care about. But he deserves to be in the reckoning because he's playing amazing football and he is you know, on the rise, as we mentioned in our mock draft last week. So, yeah, he's doing that about the, the sporting cast in a little school like BYU and really bringing them to the fore in the national attention as well and obviously international attention, hence us kind of talking about him every week. So, yeah, my little shout out there for, for Zach Wilson. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on him or his chances at all. Polished, that's my thought. Polished, mm. looks really good. Um, yeah, like talking with, with every quarterback we mentioned, we said he's rising, but this is probably the, the biggest rise so far, isn't it? I think he came from from nowhere, unless maybe a Liam and d- dug in a bit deeper on him, but it looks really, really good. Um, and I think the the like uh, floor of where he can get drafted is, is, the, is, is the Bears, wherever the Bears end up picking, and then anyone above him could, uh, could go and get him. Mm, yeah, the floor is floor is rising, isn't it? As, as every week passes. We'll yeah, uh, I think just because of the school he's at, he'll probably get disrespected mm. in in Heisman voting. And unfortunately, I think that's just the way it goes with football. T- sometimes there's a lot of you, you know, there's a lot of bias. You look at the teams that generally have a Heisman candidate; it's the same ten schools year in year out. It's always Florida or LSU or Oklahoma or Alabama. It, you know, I think his school puts him at a disadvantage there. He he could play lights out, but he, he'd have to kick Kyle Trask's ass in stats. He'd have to throw a better ball than Justin Fields, and he'd have to throw, you know, he'd have to have better hair than Trevor Lawrence to, to sort of <laughs> even get looked at for the Heisman just because of the way, you know, there's a lot of bias in college football towards Power 5 teams. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's very, very true. Um so yeah, it's probably like I say, it's been out, a bit of an outside shot, but we couldn't all talk about those two guys that we've talked about already, could we? Anyway, we're going to talk about some more outside shots. Just a, a little mention for some guys. If we're going to take quarterbacks or big quarterbacks at least out of the reckoning, who would we who would we go for? Um, maybe Zach Wilson should have been in this lot, but you know, I think he deserves to be in the first lot. Go on, Kieran, you start us off with your hand up there at the top. It's my boy Desmond Ritter. He he deserves a look. <laughs> He's, he's one of the best quarterbacks, like I said earlier, he's one of the best quarterbacks playing college football right now. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's been accurate. He's an athlete. He can do it through the air or on the ground. He's like UPS. He will deliver the ball where it's needed, on time, every single time. He is, yeah, he's just the guy who's not being looked at once again because of his conference. And like I said, Cincinnati disrespected in the rankings because of their conference or because of their schedule. And I think for that reason alone, Desmond Ridder's not going to get Heisman looks, even though he's playing like a Heisman candidate. Hmm. Yeah, we, we mentioned him, haven't we? He's, he's playing playing really, really good football. And um, yeah, I think it'll continue on for, for a good part of the season. 
Um, while we're still talking about quarterbacks, um, we should uh, mention Trevor Lawrence, who I still think is, not, I think I read that he's not favourite to win it anymore, but I think he probably should still be up there. I just wonder um, what everyone thinks it's going to take for him to win it. Is he genuinely out of it by missing games? Or is he kind of, does he need a, to go all the way to the national championship again to do it? I think he's still, I think he's still well in there. Um, I think, I, there is, uh, I'm pretty certain that Clemson have never had a Heisman winner, and I thought about that at the start of the season and um, thought, okay, yeah, well, that'd be that'd be one to watch. Um, for for me, because he has been able to miss a couple of games now, it's one of these things where he does slip back because it, it's what have you done for me lately kind of thing, isn't it? Where yeah, people's recent device takes over. You know, DJ Younglele has played pretty well in his stead as well. It's not like he's no, sorry, it was like Clemson. Sorry, I've missed Trevor Lawrence so much. Um, you know, it's one of them, isn't it? Where his sample size goes a bit small, and that's one thing I just said about Justin Fields as well. And his sample size will be smaller. For me, I mean, in all seriousness, I do think Trask is probably the the leader at this point because Florida have got everyone talking about them. Uh, their offense has been absolutely incredible, and and he's been a big part of it. But it's, it's it is one of these things where if Trevor Lawrence comes back, plays excellently throughout the whole rest of the season, and then wins the Natty, then probably going to give it to him, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, do you think that um, the younger Lele playing so well actually um, affects Lawrence's stock negatively? Because if they were really struggling without him, then uh, you know it would show Lawrence to be like the complete leader of the offense, and the fact that they're still putting up points and making so many good plays without him, it kind of maybe shows him in a lesser light in in some respect. Yeah, I think so because it's like the the, the system still works without him, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, young lady against Notre Dame put up almost 500 yards, didn't he? So yeah, threw a bunch of touchdowns. I can't remember. I think it was five off the top of my head, wasn't it? And they're doing it with other players and the other quarterbacks playing really well. And then it's people then thinking, oh my god, in 2023 or whenever it is that he's going to come out. You know, we've got the number one pick already. And then you've got these other guys who we've kind of just talked about still playing great football and still winning games every week. So, yeah, I think it will. I think it will take Trevor Lawrence to come back and and win the national championship, probably to steal it from someone. And especially if it is against Florida or something like that, it could be kind of like a showdown for the Heisman. Well, it'll be announced before then, wouldn't it? But it'll, it'll, it could be those two guys going against each other. Ohio State. Well, I've, or, I've Ohio got, State, I've yeah. Ohio State yeah. to win it, so... yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've not mentioned Mac Jones either, is it? And he'll be in the room as well, especially if they go all the way. Or... His favourite, apparently, at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny how, we, funny how we, we none of us mentioned though, isn't it? It says, says a lot. Maybe says we don't lot, know anything. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, so obviously it's going to change in a little bit of a direction. I think we've got a little bit of a theme coming up amongst the three of us now that Kieran's popped off. Um, Andy, why don't you start us off with your outside bet? Yeah, I'm not sure you can even get odds on this guy, but uh, Brees Hall, who's the running back for the uh, Iowa State Cyclones, uh, seven games so far, 1,034 yards. Uh, he's hit above 100 yards in every game, uh, averaging six and a half yards a carry, 13 touchdowns. And as much as we all were looking at the quarterback for the Cyclones this year, I think it's Hall that's really like stolen stole the show, um, completely dominating their offense in terms of offensive plan uh, like 
you're looking at 30 odd carries a game in some in some examples. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's been a while since I've had a running back, I think, as uh, as the Heisman winner. But why not? Um, shortened season. This guy's putting up over 100 uh, yard, 100 yards a game, and looks like a, a lock for the, the top end of the running back class next year. Mm. Yeah, I was there. Obviously, having a great season, five and one, and. I think he's the only player, skill position-wise, obviously not sand quarterbacks, who's gone over a thousand yards as of yet. So, yeah, good shout, especially with with everything that's going on. And if we take quarterbacks away, he'd be definitely a front runner for sure. Um, Liam, I think you're you're going to carry on this running back trend that we've got going on, and I think I'm going to make a threesome as well. But yeah, all about the running backs now, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've wanted to uh, put Najee Harris from Alabama up. Um, thought. Th- because we mentioned Mac Jones and I was thinking about Mac Jones then, I was thinking about the passing game of Alabama and um, Devontae Smith, who I think is going to keep going and keep improving and putting up the numbers this season. But um, you can't forget about Najee Harris when you think about that um, Bama offense. Mm. Um, he's uh, at 5.8 yards average per carry this season, um, 14 touchdowns, second only to Javante Williams. Um, and he's played two less games. Uh, he's on course to put up the numbers, certainly. Um, if, uh, if you look at their schedule, obviously he's in Alabama's offense and SEC as uh, the conference, he's always going to be playing big uh, primetime games as well. And he has the air of um, uh, leadership about him. He seems to be one that a lot of people on that offense, a lot of the other younger lads look to um, mm. as a non-quarterback uh, candidate. I think uh, he is going to be definitely worth consideration. Yeah, certainly as as good a shout as any, especially in this running back class, which is it's just turned out to be a very pleasant one, actually, along with a lot of talent in, indeed, and a lot of players kind of coming through um, and this, this season showing the, the, their strengths as well. Yeah, he's actually, um, I think, uh, obviously, Alabama's got a great tradition of running backs, and um, mm. I actually, I'm not kind of as sold on him um as uh, some of the Alabama running backs in previous years, I think he's got a few more uh, kind of limitations, a few more things to work on. But the more he keeps um, playing and churning out the yards and the points and the touchdowns in that Alabama offense, he's going to keep getting noticed. Mm. Yeah, something that we'll, something that we'll come on to later in the year, obviously, when we start to talk about draft prospects and a little bit more of that later on uh, for a little announcement that we've got. But um yeah, I'm going to carry on with that running back theme. Obviously, it's not going to go to a receiver, is it, or anything like that. It's not going to go to a defensive player. So if we're taking quarterbacks away, then it's uh, it's going to come to the running backs, isn't it? But um, my my shout is Javante Williams. I think you just mentioned him, Liam. Obviously, 18 touchdowns leads the whole of college football in points scored. That's including kickers as well, which obviously usually lead any league in scoring, but it's actually Javante Williams. He's gone over 1,000 yards um, in terms of his, his total yardage, only 800 on the ground. Uh, 886, I think it is, off on the ground, uh, but 18 scores in total. And he's obviously got Michael Carter in there, who's, who's also just over a 1,000 yards of, of scrimmage yards. Um, so together, they're forming this great duo that I keep mentioning every week, or you know, at least every other week. He's Michael Carter's obviously got six such hands as well in total. And, you know, he, they're even to compete against each other, and they're taking touches off each other, they're taking yards off each other. So I know that Hall obviously is the the yardage leader at the moment, but if I don't think if I think if these guys were in the single backfield without each other, I think they'd be right up there as well because they're playing some great football. Uh, both um, are eligible for the draft. Javante Williams is a junior, Michael Carter's a senior. So how about a duo? How about a joint winner when you bring it to them both as a combined player? 
first time ever in, in what would be obviously the first time ever but obviously it's the first time ever for everything this year because it's covid and you know we can do things like this but um yeah give it to them both because they're they're drafting both together you only get you know you have to spend one pick on each on in each of them and uh, get them both for two for the price of one <laughs> poor guys forever tied together if that happens don't they <laughs> you were yeah, talking about if the, what the possibility is of them drafted to the same pro team um yeah it's really good show he is he's playing so well and um yeah this like you said talked about the the stats they speak for themselves don't they mm. yeah and you know they're, they're the lifeblood of that offense you know i know that I've, I've i've been talking up howell all year but he is allowed to do what he, he's done because he's got this great running game and you have to respect it and gives him these passing lanes and you know all feeds off each other really so yeah it's a uh, yeah, it's been been really fun to kind of keep uh, keep my eye on them as uh, as closely as I have done. So yeah, um, yeah, like I say, bit of a bit of a weird one, but yeah, I'd go for that. I'd sh- I'd both of them, I want them to both win it, take a joint Heisman together. But anyway, less of that nonsense. And uh, yeah, I think that kind of does us for the week. Um, yeah, so as I say, that kind of brings us uh, to the end of the program. Um, a little bit of um, news coming out. Obviously, got a few articles and whatnot coming out all over the full ten yards, but for ourselves. Uh, just this week, got myself and Andy teaming up once again for the winners and losers that came out on Monday. Um, have a little look at that. Have a little look back at that, and just um, tell us where we went right. Tell us where we went wrong. I think there's a few usual customers that are appearing, especially in the losers section at the moment. Um, not mentioning no names. I'll go over to Full Ten Yards and check it out. Um, and then last thing, just before we want to get out of here, I uh, just want to kind of a little bit of a teaser coming up. We've got a little bit of an announcement, a little bit of a new project that we've got coming between the usual five of us, um, some extra content for you. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for some announcements over the next couple of weeks, but looking to get that started um, in December. And I think we're all pretty excited about that one amongst us. Um, so yeah, as I say, keep your eyes peeled um, on the podcast. We'll be kind of teasing it over the next few weeks and giving you a few more details, you know, as, as things kind of get closer. Last thing before we kind of give out our handles and give out, get out of here, um, our Von Miller jersey. So glad it was claimed at the first attempt. Um, Mikey Richardson was sent that earlier in the week. And I'm sure we'll be getting some sort of picture when he um, gets that um, later on in the week. And uh, yeah, we'll see that. We don't have to redraw, which is an absolute relief. I didn't really want that to drag on. Hope it fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, if not, it can be framed and put up or something like that. I'm sure it'll look nice on a wall. Um, so last thing to do, get, let's give some handles out and let's get out of here. Liam, why don't you kick us off? Tell us where you can find us or where you can find you, should I say? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Uh, all things NFL, things college football. All my work with full 10 yards college football. Um, there's a lot of uh, draft content uh, as we work our way up uh, to draft season on there at the moment. Mm. So, uh, at Liam66NFL. Yeah, you got some got some threads started off in this uh, past weekend, didn't you, with some positional got, players and... Have- um, threads designed on focusing on as many prospects at each position as possible so uh, quarterbacks running backs wide receivers all went up, are up already and the plan is uh, for one for each position so if you uh, need if you know what your team needs in the NFL draft there's going to be countless names on there hmm. yeah I'm sure it'll get quite a lengthy each of those threads as we as we move through the year but yeah like I say keep your eyes peeled for that one and Andy, what about yourself? Um, where can we find you? Uh, AJ Moore 21 or uh, Dolphin UK underscore pod, where we're uh, celebrating five bats about wins. Uh, have a Lee's Chargers at the weekend as well. So, uh, mm. yeah, um, things looking good for the Dolphins. So, check that out. Um, yeah, business as usual. 
Yeah, almost is going business as usual, isn't it? Racking up all these wins. Um, obviously appeared on your podcast, correctly predicted a Dolphins win for, well, I think everyone did, didn't they? So that's kind of nice for you guys. But yeah, um, less of the Chargers chat for me. Obviously looking forward to the draft. Actually, so, you know, the draft content that we've got coming up, I'll be paying close attention to what, what we all come up with because I'm looking forward to that now. The rest of the season can just end right now for me, to be honest with you, um, because it's another unhappy year as a Chargers fan. And if you want to find me at Wakefield90 on the Twitter, um, you know, you can come some draft content, you can come for some college football chat. Or if you're the other half of an angry Chargers player, then you can, you know, tweet me like I got someone tweeting me yesterday. But that was all fun and games this morning when I woke up. Um, but yeah, less of that. Um, but yeah, I think we'll end on, on that one. So yeah, thanks for listening again and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.